For those of you that are new, we're in a series we're calling A Fresh Look at Christmas, and we've just kind of been taking a, a kind of a fresh look, a new look, a different angle look at the Christmas story. Week by week, we ask the question, what would the world be like if Jesus had never been born? Uh, last week, we talked about Joseph and why God chose him. Next week, we'll be talking about Mary and, and, and how that impacts all of our lives. But today, we're celebrating the children. So here's the question of the day. What would Christmas be like if there were no children? What would it be like if there were no children? Those of you that want to follow along with the scriptures and the points, go to the Bridge app that you saw on the video announcements just a little while ago. Go to the Bridge app, go to notes, all of the scriptures, all the points are there. Save that to your journal. You can take your own notes and save that for the future. If you want a manuscript of today's message, just email us at info at bridgechurch.cc and we'll be glad to send you the very notes that I'm using right now uh, so that you can do your own research and study. And if you're going to put anything on social media, be sure to use a hashtag, a fresh look at Christmas, so that we can see what each other is doing. Okay, you ready to get into it? Can I just be honest with you? Can I just be transparent with you? I absolutely love Christmas. I just love Christmas. I love, the, I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love to ride around and look at them. I love the food. I love the music. I love the food. I love the, the, the did I say food? I love the giving of the gifts. I love the receiving of the gifts. I love the food. I mean, I love the Christmas. <laughs> I love Christmas movies. You guys love Christmas movies? Do you watch a lot of Christmas? So, so what's your favorite? Anybody have a favorite? We've been talking about It's a Wonderful Life. How many would say It's a Wonderful Life is absolutely my lifelong favorite Christmas movie of all by hand clap? All right, six of you love that one as much as I do. How about A Miracle on 34th Street? That's a good classic. That's a good one. Somebody say, A Miracle on what? Street what? What is that? Let's get more, let's get more current. How about A Polar Express? Any Polar Express fans out there? Got it. Got it. Okay. How about Bad Santa? Well, come on, be honest. Nightmare Before Christmas, any of you love that one? The altars are open for you after the service this morning. We'd be glad to help you with that. All right. My new favorite, I, everybody either loves or hates this one, is Elf. I just do. Okay, good. I'm not alone. My favorite quote from Elf, I don't know what yours is. We elves try to stick to the four, fa- four main food groups, you know, uh, candy, candy canes, uh, candy corn, and syrup. How can get how can get any better than that, right? But one of the movies that we love to watch at Christmas time, we love to to tease and make fun of and watch again and again and again is Christmas Story. We're always nervous. We're going to shoot our eyes out if we watch it, but it's just one of our favorites. And one of the storylines, I mean, there's a lot of kind of storylines in in that movie. If you've not seen it, and let me encourage you to watch it this season. But but the overarching storyline is what I want to lean into a little bit this morning as we celebrate the children, and that is the wide-eyed wonder of a child. Just this kind of wow at all the stuff that's going on, whether we're talking about a spy kit from a comic book or, or a window dressing in a department store or the gifts under the tree. It's just so many things that are just this wonder of a child that, let's just be honest, old people, it, it sometimes gets stolen from us with the stresses of life over the years. Hello, are you out there? 
In fact, it's one of the reasons that I, I love kids. I love the kids to come out and be a part of this. I, they are full of discovery. Did you notice the kids? I mean, half of them were singing. The other half were looking at the lights and the screens, and they're looking at the big screens to see if they can see themselves on the big screens. Jared, I thought you said you got the cameras that made me look skinny. I don't know how you did that, but you lied to me, boy. Truth be known, I hope I'm a kid when I grow up. It's just what I want to do. I want to grow up and be a kid. And you may think I'm kidding about that, but the fact of the matter is that's exactly what Jesus told us to do. There was an occasion when his disciples had gotten caught up in the race, uh, the foot race, the trap, the junk about who gets to be first and who's succeeding and who's doing better than the other and all the competition that tends to stress our, us out. And you know how he answered them? He answered them with a role model. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. It'll be on your screens. It's in your app. You can follow along. Here we go. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is what? The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now understand, he's talking about being childlike, not childish. Hello? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but I became a Man, and I stopped those childish ways. We're going to be talking a lot about that in 2018. And when I cast vision to you in January and where we're going as a church, there's going to be a whole lot about this idea of how, what are we doing to grow up in our faith and move from the infancy of my Christian experience into the adolescence, into the adulthood, and ultimately into the parenthood where I'm helping others come along. We're going to be talking about that a lot next year. But today, we're talking about making sure that in the process of growing up, we don't lose the childlike qualities that we all love in our children. This idea of being hopeful, this idea of wonder, this idea of joy, this idea, quite honestly, of having an effect on everybody around them, all the characteristics that we cherish uh, in our kids. But again, if we don't stop and check once in a while... Um, we can lose those things along the way. Anybody with me? So if you've already got all that stuff and you're fired up and you're like a kid, then God bless you, you can go on to brunch. But for the rest of us, I want to take a few minutes this morning and just kind of unpack this a little bit. Let's see if we can get a handle on, on what it is that is so special about the kids and what it is that God wants us to keep in the midst of all of that. When I say I want to be a kid when I grow up, I, I literally mean I don't want to lose those qualities. I want to grow in them. Can I tell you just a little side trip? One of the things that I love about working at the bridge is that that's, that's kind of what our staff is like. The staff of this place, we don't, uh, I mean, we take what we do very seriously because eternity is at stake, but we don't take ourselves seriously at all. We just kind of, kind of pick on each other, have a good time with each other, and so there's this kind of uh, childlike energy that goes into every meeting we ever have, even our prayer time is going to be really fun. Uh, if they get serious when they need to, but they can be really fun. And I don't want to lose that. I want to grow in that. I don't want you to lose that. I want you to grow in that. So in the few minutes we have, I just want to identify real simple message today. I want to identify three areas that I think we'll all agree are the things that we appreciate about the children 
in our lives, and then maybe we can capture a couple of life lessons for ourselves from those children in our lives. Let's get into it. The first characteristics of a, characteristic of a child that I think is worthy of capturing and making sure we keep alive is that kids, um, I, I, the way I put it in the notes is kids live, children live in the, in the moments of life. You know what I mean by that? They just kind of live in the right now. There's just this kind of, you know, they don't bog into what, down into what happened yesterday or what might happen tomorrow. And it's just, just it, they're just in it right now. They're wide open right now. And, and, and again, kids do need to learn that choices have consequences and they need to learn reason through their choices in order to avoid negative consequences. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from them. The importance of living in the right now, Christmas Day is a prime example of that. I mean, when kids open Christmas presents, I don't know how they do it at your house, <coughs> but at my house, if it's true for my kids, it's true for my grandkids, they don't come in with this kind of, oh, yeah, that was pretty ribbon there. Yeah, you did a good job wrapping that one. Yeah, very cool. And they don't sit down and pull it up in their lap and wait for permission to open the gift and then say something like, oh, Mom you did such a lovely job of wrapping this gift. I just appreciate the effort that you put into this. Would you like for me to save the ribbon when I'm done? I mean, how many of your kids do that? They don't even wait for permission to open. They just dive in. We say, whoa, slow down. We want to see what each other's given. Ah, Scrooge. They want to dig in. They want to go after it. They are in the moment tearing those packages open. Guys, if we aren't careful, as we get older, we'll lose some of that. We'll open a gift and we'll appreciate it, but we'll lose that, that sense of wonder that the children bring to the table. When our boys were young, that we, they got into a game and we all got into it for a while. I don't know how it started, but, uh, but one day somebody opened a, a, a gift, opened the wrapping, and the box clearly said what was in the box. And, and one of our sons said, don't be fooled by the box. Just because that's what the box says doesn't mean that's what's inside. Well, in fact, it was. But what was he doing? He was trying to keep the wonder alive just a little bit longer. And so from then on, we always did that. We still do to this day. Don't be fooled by the box. Why? Because we want to keep that wonder alive. Somebody said that a child's credo in life goes like this, yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, today's a gift. That's why they call it a present. Simply put, our children need to remind us and we need to see how important living in the moment is. I mean, that's, that's what God says. And he talks about the value of a day. You get this sense that, that God is kind of like uh, he's like our kids. He's saying, don't be fooled by surface appearances and don't be bogged down into what happened or didn't happen or what might happen or might not happen. Just live in this kind of wonder and excitement, anticipation of what, in fact, might be coming. Here's how the psalmist put it. Read it with me uh, like you mean it. Psalm 118, verse 24. It's on the screens. Here we go. Read it with me. One, two, three. This is the day the Lord has... Oh, come on, you can do better than that. <laughs> sit up in your chair. Come on, sit up. You can do this. Come on, sit up. Smile for me. All together. One, two, three. Oh, come on. Raise, raise the octave. This is the day that the Lord has made. You got it. 
We will rejoice and be glad in it. God's saying, I've given you a gift. It's called the present. Enjoy it. Celebrate in it. During the course of the day, here's the truth, guys. Hear me. During the course of the day, every day, there are moments from which you need to capture life lessons. And if you aren't paying attention, they'll blow right past you. You won't even see it. You don't even notice it. Because you're so busy thinking about yesterday and tomorrow. God's saying live in those moments and learn from those moments and grow in those moments and never lose the opportunity to learn in those moments. Because if I can get serious for a minute, there's no guarantee that moment will come again. James 4.14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life's like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's, it's gone. Is that true? If I can get personal, several of you have asked over the last five or six weeks if we had any indication that our son Andrew was sick, and the answer is no. I mean, healthy and vital. He played praise and worship on this stage in September. I mean, he was great. He was in a doctor's care for, for, you know, simple things, just making sure that he was getting checkups and that kind of stuff. And it was absolutely unexpected, taken completely by surprise. What started out as what we thought was a severe case of indigestion. And within a couple of hours, he's with Jesus. I mean, the reality is, guys, if we aren't careful, the the moments of life will pass us by, and I can't, I don't want to get too uh, personal here, but the reality is I've spent a lot of time in the last seven weeks missing what I took for granted sometimes. Don't do that. Don't do that. Rejoice and be glad in the day, for God has given it to you. It's a gift. It's the present. Enjoy it. Open it. Take advantage of it. So, you know, I've got to ask, are you? You ain't got to answer, but are you paying attention? Maybe that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, I like the way the message paraphrases it. Give your attention to what God is doing when? Right now. And don't get worked up or about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes comes. Again, there's so many of us who lose the, the, the moments that our children seem to live in, and we end up burning so much energy on the stuff that either did happen or didn't happen or might happen or will happen. There's just no energy left to enjoy what's right in front of you. I've got to move on, but can I just beg you not to miss the moments? They are ultimately the events that define your life. It was one of my favorite things about Andrew. He loved Christmas. As an adult, with the same passion he did as a child, the rule in our home uh, when the boys were growing up was you cannot wake us up until two things are true. Uh, The sun has to be up and the coffee has to be made. 
And we taught them very young how to make coffee. And so we made stockings for them, and we put, uh, you know, yoo-hoos and Pez dispensers and all kinds of stuff in there because we knew they were going to be up before sunrise, and we needed to give them something to do that had to do with Christmas morning. So they'd let us sleep for a few minutes because we were up till 1 o'clock wrapping the last-minute gifts. Right? You with me? Andrew was the one who always got his brothers up, and he's the one that came through the door first with two cups of coffee saying, hey, the sun's up. I got coffee. (laughs) He grew up and had kids of his own, and we went to his house for Christmas, and his kids were doing the same thing. But who do you think taught him that? Because he always anxious to be a kid. God, help us learn that lesson. God, help us to live our lives in the moments that God gives us and not fall into the trap of believing somehow that today is just a rehearsal for the play of life that starts tomorrow. This is it. This is all we're promised. Live in the moments. The second lesson that I think we get from Our kids is they don't just live in the moments, but they actually bring a song to the moments. They bring a song to the moments of life. One of the most powerful truths about the original Christmas story that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, I don't know if you've thought about it much or not, but Joseph and Mary were just kids. I mean, they were teenagers. People married young in those days. And so, you know, most estimates are that Mary was 15 or something. I mean, just really young kids. And we don't know about Joseph for sure how he reacted. I mean, he apparently was a very thoughtful kind of person. But Mary, there is no doubt about how she reacted to the news. She just, she had that sense of wonder that was obvious. Because when it dawned on her what was happening, the scriptures say she broke out in song. It just welled up inside of her. She didn't write a song. It just came out. She found herself singing to anybody that would listen. Again, I like the way the message paraphrases the verse because it kind of helps you picture it. So, so picture it with me. This is Mary. She's gotten the news that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah that she and her people have been praying for for centuries. She gets that honor. She gets that privilege and, and all the stuff about what people might say and people might think and, and all the pressures of being a, a mother at a young age and, and we don't have the money for a baby. None of that stuff mattered in that moment because she lived in the moment and she burst out into song. Here we go, Luke 1, 46. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth. Kids, kids just have a way of doing that. I mean, whatever's going on, they just have that way of kind of of it just bursting out of them. They're not concerned with who's listening. They're not self-conscious about how well they do it. They're not even slightly worried about whether they look dignified or not. Mike Bro is a pastor in Chicago. He tells a story about being on a plane one time, and the flight was delayed, and they're sitting on the tarmac waiting for release to take off, and, and the adults on the plane start to bicker, and they start to complain, and they start to whine, and In the midst of all that, one little boy stood up in his seat, and he started singing. 
Oh, you better watch out. You better not pout. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. And then he went into Bruce Springsteen. Santa Claus is coming to town. He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care what anybody said. He just needed to get the message across. Hey, guys, every day is a gift from God. Let's enjoy it. Guys, God wants you to live with a song in your hearts. So many of you have, have asked me, how you doing, Pastor? And my answer is, I am so blessed it's scary. I'm so blessed it's amazing. I'm so blessed it's embarrassing. Are those cliches? No, they are the way I choose to live my life. A banker asked me that question one time on the phone, and I said that. He said, oh, things are going well for you, aren't they? I said, no, sir, I didn't say that. The fact that I am most blessed has absolutely nothing to do with my circumstances. They have to do with whose I am and his favor in my life. There's this long silence on the phone. He said, so you want to fill out the application? I mean, he didn't have a clue what I was talking about, but that didn't matter. That's how I choose to live my life, and that's how I want you to live your life. I don't always get it right. Don't misunderstand me. I remember when I was a kid, teenager, I worked at the Red and White Grocery Store. <laughs> I don't know if that was a chain or a local thing, but it was in Bladenboro, and, and I worked in the grocery store, and I sang. I sang all the time. I just walked around singing. I was a bag boy. I did really, really well. I liked working there because, uh, because the moms came in and brought their daughters with them, and they were pretty, and I just liked that part. And so, uh, and I did pretty well. I went from, from stalker, not stalker, shelf stalker, <laughs> to packer, a bag boy. I mean, I'm on, I'm on the front end now. And I sang all the time. I was the singing bag boy at the red and white grocery store. Uh, and I just, that's just what I did. I loved to do that. It just came out of me until one day our manager came in and, and, and he, was, uh, he was one of those life stinks and then you die kind of guys. So don't throw any elbows, but you know people like that, right? He finally said to me one day, enough with the singing wall. Are you always in a good mood? And I said, I I'm, I'm sorry, sir, I just can't help it. And I turned around and walked away singing under my breath. You better not. But this amazing thing happened to me. Fast forward a few years, and uh, Andrew uh, grew into an amazing musician. He's sitting in a house one day, and he's playing and singing. Now, understand, Andrew... Uh, and, and this is an open conversation we've had in our family with him. Andrew's not as talented as maybe his two brothers. It didn't come to him as naturally as it did his brothers, but he worked at it. He wanted to be a guitarist. He wanted to be a bass player. He wanted to be a worship leader, and he worked at it. He worked at it for hours and hours and hours to get the best he could possibly be and ultimately became uh, what I think is, is, is a world-class bassist. Some of you know him. You, you know I'm not stretching the truth. But one day I just was just weary, and I went into him and I said in not terribly pleasant terms, can you just shut it down for a minute? Come on, man, you've been at it all day. And, and, and I turned around and I walked out of the room where he was, and it was like my words, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but it was like my words went past him down the hall, 
hit the wall at the far end of the hall, bounced back, came right back at me, hit me in my face, and it sounded just like the manager of the red and white. You remember when you were kids and your parents said stuff to you you didn't like and you said, when I grew up and I'm a parent, I will never say anything like that. (laughs) And 20 years later, those words are coming out of your mouth and you go, how did that happen? Hello. Caught myself and I went back in and said, son, don't ever stop playing. Don't ever stop playing. Turn the volume down a little bit maybe, but don't ever stop playing. He's still playing. Playing for a higher audience. But he's still playing. I'm sorry if that's too personal, but I just need you to, I need you to understand that it just gets lost along the way if we aren't careful. And you don't have to be able to carry a tune to do what I'm talking about. It isn't about, well, she sings pretty or he's got a great voice. It isn't about that. It's about a song in our hearts. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. What am I saying? When life knocks you down, sing. Come on. Whether you are on, here's another way to say it, whether you are on top of the world or the world is on top of you, sing. I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for us as a church family. I want us to soak up every moment of life, and I want us to bring a song to those moments, whether they are the kind of moments we love and look forward to or those kind of moments where we struggle Which leads me to the third lesson of a child and perhaps the most important, and that is kids don't only live in the moment. They don't just bring a song to the moment, but but the way they live in the moment and bring a song to the moment affects the moments of our lives. Some of you are here today simply because you knew the kids were going to be on stage and you wanted to see that. We welcome you. We're thrilled that you're here. They have that kind of effect on us. A friend of mine was president of the PTA of the local school some time ago, and, and they got a new principal, and, and they'd always had the PTA meetings where the kids would sing. And the new principal came in and said, <coughs> PTA meetings are very important, and they are serious business, and we need to do you know, to make sure our parents understand the homework assignments that their kids have, and they understand the educational processes that we're going through. We will not be taking time in PTA meetings for the kids to sing anymore. It's not going to happen anymore. And my friend who was president said, I don't know if the Parents will come if the kids don't sing. (laughs) Principal said, well, if they care about their children, they'll come. Well, the last PTA meeting they had when the kids sang, there were 300 parents that came. And the first PTA meeting they had without music, they had, you want to guess, 32. (laughs) Kids have this way of affecting the moments of our lives. And, and, and I think that's why one of my favorite characters of that first Christmas story is the shepherds. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Hey, have you ever wondered why 
God chose the shepherds to be the first ones that he brought the good news to? I mean, come on. They were unskilled labor, maybe the lowest paid people in the society at the time. And they're just, this is not the shepherds. These are just the kids who were charged with the task of watching the sheep sleep. That's it. That's, that's their job. Tough job, right? Uh, they just got to wake each other up once in a while to make sure the sheep are all still there. That's it. That's their job. I got to believe that, that God chose them because he knew how they'd respond to the news. He knew that they would get excited about the fact that Messiah has come. He knew that their curiosity would force them to go seek that child out and try to find him. And he knew that when they found that Christ child, they would worship him. And I think he, would, he also knew that not only would they worship that child, but they would be so filled with the wonder of this child and the wonder of this moment that they would tell everybody who would listen, lean in just a minute, that the Christ child had come until everybody they knew was affected and infected with their joy. I think that's why God chose them. Does it ever bother you that the church in the 21st century is better known for what we're against than what we're for? Does that bother you as much as it does me? That somehow, somewhere along the way, we've gotten so serious about dotting our I's and crossing our T's and make sure our doctrine is just as it should be. And I'm not here saying doctrine isn't important. Of course it's important. Truth is truth. And we build our, our lives on the foundation of truth, not feelings, but truth. But so often we get so bogged down in what's right and what's wrong and this list of do's and don'ts and all that kind of stuff and who's getting it right and who's getting it wrong and which ministry has a, a detail that we don't like about or which, which organization out there is not doing something we think they ought to be doing. We get so caught up in the junk that we are against that somehow or another there's a world around us dying without knowing that the Christ child is here. Somehow or another they all got lost in the shuffle of the infighting of the body of Christ and Satan's laughing all the way to the soul bank or we fight among ourselves about some stuff that doesn't eternally matter did you get your Christmas Evites did everybody get hold them up if you got one well I got two that got them grab your Christmas invites on the way out I see a few hands come on get them in your hands who do you know that needs joy who do you know that needs to know that Jesus is alive and well? Who do you know in your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, that needs to know that there is still joy in being a follower of Jesus Christ? Give them one of these. Bring them to Christmas Eve, whether it's here or Goldsboro or Mount Oliver. Maybe there's a church that your family's a part of and you want to get them there. I don't care, but get them in church in a place where Jesus Christ is going to be celebrated like the shepherds did so long ago, like a child would. This wide-eyed wonder of the amazing Christ child. I think that's why God came in the form of a child. Matthew 1, 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He wanted us to know him intimately, personally. 
And so he came in a form that we would not be intimidated by him. We would, in fact, be drawn to him. And that's what our Christmas Eve services will be like. In case you're wondering, we will not be doing Christmas Eve evening services because Christmas Eve is a Sunday this year. And so we're doing it all on Christmas morning so that you can spend Christmas Eve evening with your family and your friends doing the things that families do. I've got to close, but Chuck Colson, who founded Prison Fellowship and Angel Tree, uh, tells a story about some of the early days of Angel Tree when, uh, when he and his sons bought some gifts and took them. For those of you that don't know, perhaps, Angel Tree is a ministry where people buy gifts and take them to the children, uh, to children who have at least one parent that's currently incarcerated. And they bring the gift not from those people or from that church. They bring the gift as if it's from the incarcerated parent. Our MOPS ministry here has given 50 angel tree gifts to kids this year. Is that incredible? Can we just thank you, thank them for their efforts? Thank you, ladies. If you're a mother of preschoolers, check out MOPS. It's a great organization, great opportunity for you to build some relationships and get a little support when the toddlers are driving you crazy at the same time. So Chuck Colson and his sons went to this particular place one day, and, and they're giving out gifts. They get to this really poor home, and the house is in a terrible shape. The door is hanging on one hinge, and radiator's running full blast. There's five young kids running around in the house. Mom's nowhere to be seen. They say, is your mom here? And, and they say, well, she's at work. One of them finally said, yeah, mom works three jobs. I mean, they're doing everything they can to just keep life and limb together. And they said, well, we just came to bring you a gift from your dad, who was, of course, incarcerated. The kids went crazy. They started hugging on Chuck and thanking him for all this stuff, and they just had a great time. He, he, he started talking to one of them, and he said, uh, my name is Chuck. What's your name? And the little boy said, well, my name is Emmanuel. And Chuck said, do you know what Emmanuel means? He said, no, I don't. He got out his Bible and he showed him. It means God with us. About that time, the mom came home and, uh, and the little boy saw her come through the door and said, mom, mom, God is with us. God is with us. Colson shook her hand and he and his boys left. And as they're walking down the sidewalk on their way out of that place, it's ringing in his ears, the voice of that little boy saying, God is with us. God is with us. Chuck later said, bringing Christmas gifts is a good thing, but the hope of the world is not great Christmas gifts unless we're talking about the Christmas gift. His name is Jesus Christ, and he is with us. Can I beg you never to lose the wonder of the reality that the God of the universe split the eastern sky and came to earth so that you could know him. And if you accept his child, you become his child. And the wonder starts to grow in your life too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for coming. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to show us how much you love us, to show us that we can relate to you on a deeply personal level, that our whole lives can be affected 
not only by the children in our lives in wonderful kinds of ways, but by the child, your child. So in the quietness of this moment, Lord, would you help us, Spirit, would you speak to us and help us to reflect for just a moment on on how we're doing in this journey of becoming like a child? Would you help us to understand or catch a glimpse of maybe it's possible we've gotten caught up in the stresses of life to the point that we forget to capture the moments that are so important? They blow right past us? Could it be that even when we see them, we a little self-conscious about doing anything, saying anything, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves, so we don't. Could it be that even if we sense the wonder and even if we have a song, we've stopped going and telling it on the mountain like the kids sang to us this morning? Wherever we are in our journey, Lord, would you take us a step toward you today? Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. It's just me and you and God. Nobody look around, if you will. Just bear with me a moment. Keep your eyes closed. I want to ask you a personal question. not going to embarrass you. Not even going to ask you to raise a hand or stand up or anything like this. It's a private moment. Is it possible you've lost some of the wonder? Is it possible you've lost some of the song? Is it possible you've lost some of the excitement of telling everybody who will listen that Jesus Christ is alive and well and they can have a relationship with him? Is it possible that you haven't accepted the Christ child in your own life? If any of those things are true, would you pray this prayer with me? You can pray it on your own words if you want to. Pray silently, pray aloud. I don't care, but would you pray? Jesus, I want to become like a child. Not childish, just childlike. As I recognize that you said that's what the kingdom of heaven is really like, it's this sense of wonder and awe at the world, this sense of joy that often breaks out in song, this desire to tell everybody who will listen that Jesus Christ is alive. Would you give me a fresh start today, Lord? Would today this... Christmas 2017 be different, unique, special, big? Because I said today, just two weeks before the big day, I'm putting Jesus at the center of my Christmas this year. Father, you know who's praying. You know what's going on in their minds right now. You know the people that that want to pray and they're reluctant to pray. Just speak. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to our lives. Let us know that you love us just the way we are. That we don't have to become something in order to be loved by you. You love us. 
but you love us too much for us to stay the way we are. You want us to become more childlike. Thank you for wanting that for us. Thank you for the power to help us get there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I would love for you to let me know. There's a couple of ways you can do that. You can come to the altar afterwards. There's people here that would love to pray with you. You can stop by the decision table in the back. There'll be some people there that give you some literature. They'd love to talk with you there. You can text, if you will, new life. Just text that word new life to 55498, and I'll know. I'll get that list. I'll pray for you this week. But let us know it's critically important that you not just make this a private moment with Jesus, but that, in fact, you share that moment with people that care. So stand with me, would you? I want to bless you as we go from this place, as we go out into these last couple of weeks of Christmas and the Christmas parties and the hustle and the bustle and the last-minute gift buying and all the stuff that tends to be a part of the trappings of this season. Help us never to lose sight of the wonder. Help us to regain our song. Help us to share the good news with those around us. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the chance to celebrate with the kids today and to catch just a little bit of who they are. Let their joy become contagious in us, and then as we catch it, let us become contagious to the world. We're going to thank you for the way you do that, for the way you bring us together again, the appointed time, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Christmas.